Welcome to another episode of The Aftershock with Jamin Moore and Alex Morgan. I'm Phil Ava, and we are here after a 2-1 to victory against the Houston Dynamo for the San Jose Earthquakes. And that's three more points, guys, on the board for the team. Uh, a pretty exciting match in a lot of ways. Three penalties scored, uh, two for the Quakes, obviously, and one for the Houston Dynamo, both scored by Christian Espinoza. And one perhaps pretty controversial for Houston there. Um, let's go ahead and get into our initial thoughts after the match here. Jamin, I'm going to kick it over to you first. What do you think? Yeah, I think all three are a little controversial, to be quite honest. The first one, I think, was more correct. Like, it, it's a tough situation to go like, hey, there's a cross. It hits a guy's hand. That hand is out from the body and not give a penalty in that situation. I, I think there's a world in which... Probably in some games, that's not always going to get called 100% of the time. But uh, I think it's correct this time. Both of those fouls, though, yeah, yeah, that's those were really soft. But I would say at least consistency in the end wins out. Uh, so if you're going to call it uh, on one, mm -hmm. you got to call it on the other. And I and uh, you know give credit to the officiating team for at least the consistency. Um, you guys, I mean, the thing is, though, Jamin, like, oh, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, besides that, it was a fairly even game. The Quakes got off a few more shots, not really on target. Uh, the XG is going to look a little bit better, but they're mm -hmm. still not scoring from open play, and I think we're going to definitely talk about that. All right, Alex, what do you think? Well, I think they could have skipped the 90 minutes and gone straight to a penalty shootout. <laughs> that would have been just as entertaining, gotten it done with. Everyone can go home uh, happy. Um, look, I think that Two of them were obvious penalties. I think both San Jose's penalties were pretty obvious. I don't yeah. think there's a world in which you don't call a handball. With these new rules, I think that's getting called handball every single time with his hand out, uh, the crossing in his hand. I also think that the, the second penalty, the Cade Cowell penalty, was very clear and obvious. And if Cade Cowell had dove, it would have been called in real yes. time, 100%, not even reviewed. But the fact that Cade Cowell stayed on his feet, the fact that he is a bulldozer – is why there was some doubt about whether that was a penalty. The only one I think that was uh, I was a little more skeptical of was the, the Houston Dynamo penalty. But at this point, I don't think there's any point in, uh, in getting caught up over that because San Jose got a really important victory, and I, I, I think they deserved it. You see Jameer Montero back in the starting lineup after two games out, one with a red card suspension, one international duty, and – you can tell the difference when he's back. From the second minute, he played a through ball in behind for Cade Cowell, got a cut back. Uh, Jackson Ewell got a, a shot to, from the middle of the box. That was San Jose's best chance from open play. Two minutes in, you could already tell Jameer Montero was making a difference in the final third, threading those balls in behind. And that's why San Jose got in those positions to win those penalties. That's, that's the reason that they were able to win tonight is Jameer Montero back in the middle. You have some questions about... Uh, some other players in the final third. We're probably going to talk a little bit about Jeremy Obobese looking a little more lost, a little uh, a little less decisive than he has in the past. Uh, but it was enough for the Quakes tonight at home. Okay, well, I want to talk about that Cade Cow penalty a little bit more because you could tell from the very beginning of the buildup of that play that Cade was looking for the ball on the left side, right? He was calling for it before it even came through the midfield when it was getting swinged over to the right side. 
and he had the intent to get into the box. Like he started charging down and you could see that he wanted to make something happen. Um, I think that a more experienced player probably would have gone down on that, on that penalty call there, the prospective penalty call there, as you had mentioned, Alex. Uh, but I think the intent was there and I wanted to use Cade Cowell as, as kind of like a launching point here as we, as we start to talk about the offensive play from the earthquakes, because he is one of the more controversial figures for this team. And I just wanted to see what you guys thought is Cade, should he continue to be holding the starting spot considering his performance tonight? I mean, he had some some decent moments. He had a few good touches. Um, he obviously created a couple of opportunities for the Quakes to score. And yet we're still seeing a little bit of that bullish play where he's kind of just crashing right into the defenders, right? We saw that a couple times tonight as well. But the chance that he, well, I should say the penalty that was called on that opportunity he showed a lot of initiative to actually get something done when the team really needed a goal. They really needed to get ahead in this match. Um, so my, my question to you guys is, is Cade, should he continue to get this starting spot? Because I think perhaps we're starting to see an inkling of maybe what Lucci is seeing in training and what he is expecting to see Cade do with the one thing that you had mentioned last week or without the one thing that you had mentioned last week, Alex, which is not scoring goals and not getting assists. So perhaps we'll start with you first, Alex. What do you think? Is Cade the right guy for the position? On the basis of this performance, Cade Cowell is the right guy to be starting on the left wing. Uh, Benji Kukanovic got in late in the game, but he still looks like he lacks a little bit of confidence. Even these simple touches that he should be making, uh, he's, he's misplaying. He looks like he's not really sure where his head's at. Um, it is platinum blonde, so that is saying something. There is a, a change in terms of the, the hair, and that's our sartorial discussion uh, over the night. I checked that box early in the show. Um, <laughs> I was going to ask about that. Um, <laughs> we can we can circle back to that later. I'm sure there's more discussion on uh, that front. So if you need a reason to stick around to the end of the show, we'll come back to the, the Benji Kukanovic haircut. Uh, but look, Cade Cowell was good tonight. He was making dangerous runs, and he was getting the ball from Jamiro Montero out wide uh, and uh, crossing it in and putting in dangerous balls. And there are one or two chances where you think he could have sorted out his feet uh, and put a shot on target. This was his first goal contribution, I think, of the of the season to win that penalty, uh, and and so I, I think it was a, a promising uh, a promising night from him. And if he can continue to, uh, to to make contributions like that, he's got the starting spot on lock. Oh, Jamin, first question: Do you well, like I wanna, the, I, can do I, you like can the bleached haircut from Benji Kakanovich? That's the first question before you get into your analysis. I'm. Sure. The M&M look, era. If you look, I, you know, whatever right now gets people over the hump. If Shade's got, Cade's got to shave the mustache. If Benji's got he did, a, and in solidarity, so did I. What, what was exactly? It? If, <laughs> you did too. Look, and if, ben, yeah. if Benji's got to, got to do the platinum blind, you know, whatever gives the guys confidence. Jamin, actually, Jamin, the, the hair is is so white and so platinum blonde, it almost looks like your head. I know. Oh my! See, <laughs> I, I just. How in style am I, right? That that's that's what that's what matters. Uh, look, uh, I'm not going to go so far as to say Cade was good. I'm going to say that he had two or three good moments. There was in the where he was uh, behind, put they should have been able to get on of. Um, and there, you know, the, he drew the penalty tonight. Other than that, I can't really think of like really good moments. What I did like is that he was tracking back defensively, 
there were a couple times where he was needed on the left side of the box to be able to make clearances, and he did. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's good to see that you know he's not just uh, he's not just that uh, attacking island. Um, he's still a bit of an attacking island, but at least he's also getting back and, and playing defense and helping connect and be able to to get out of trouble. And so that is a step forward a bit for me. Um, and let's be fair, you know, Benji comes in, it's a two, one lead. His job in that case is to play defense. It's not to try to create a third goal. Um, so I don't really think this is the right game to like gauge, you know, Benji versus Kate on, um, should Kate get another run out at this point? Probably because there's not a good reason not to run him out. But by the way, Asani Buddha looked fantastic for quakes too last week. And an attacking mid position, you know, I still want to see a little bit more of Seni Buddha than in the like 85th minute at a striker position, just chasing down defender. A little I'm bit more Seni Buddha too, than that. I was like, hmm, are we watching the same match? Yeah, yeah, Quake, Quakes too had a, had, a, had a really nice goal and an assist in that game. Yeah. Uh, what got a really uh, fantastic for Quakes to translate? Does that translate to mediocre for? No, but because that's what it looked so, like so, hey, tonight hey, in those five minutes. Hey, hey look, there's oh, only one team right now. Fun. There's only one team right now that is scoring open play goals between the two teams, and it's Quakes too. So maybe they're doing something right that the Quakes can learn from. Interesting. Hey, the other thing I wanted to talk about was um, Paul Marie over there on the left side as well, because like he did cover a lot of ground and allowed for Cade to kind of you know get go into the middle of the pitch and try to find places to be effective in the offense as well. And I think last week we had talked a bit about how surprised, well, I had spoken about how surprised I was that Paul Marie into the 83rd minute was still running full sprint and looked to be, you know, have full stamina through 90. And I saw a lot of that tonight. And I actually saw a lot of that on the other side of the, the field too with Carlos Capo. But um, Paul Marie, uh, guys, I mean, does is he have this position on lockdown at this point? Or are we going to see a little bit more of Trauco? Alex, do you think that maybe... There's some controversy there in the fullback positions. I don't think there's any controversy. The Quakes have three good fullback options, and they're going to need to use all of them throughout the course of the season. And tonight, it was Paul Marie who got the call at left back, and he did really, really well. He had one of the most, I think, uh, beautiful, gorgeous passes of the night with that long ball over the top for Christian Espinosa. Mm. Uh, he was almost able to get in behind the keeper and convert it. Uh, John Jay is correct. Paul, Paul Marie has been one of their most consistent players this season on both sides of the ball, not only offensively, which is with, with his passing contributions, uh, with his connection uh, with Cade Cowell on the left, um, but also defensively and the willingness to track back and physically go toe to toe uh, with the Houston Dynamo tonight. He, he, he's not a physically imposing uh, player. Having, having stood next to him and interviewed him, um, you'd think, well, maybe I could beat him in a, a shoulder challenge here. Maybe I could get up and, and beat him to a header. But he, he puts 200% of himself into every yeah. one of those challenges and is able to come out on top in those 50-50 balls. So he's able to, to hold his own in, physically in those, in those games. And, and uh, yeah, he's, he's been fantastic. One of the most consistent play, Quakes players this season, and, and he was good again tonight. And uh, look, I, I, I have no... I have no qualms about uh, how uh, uh, Luchi Gonzalez is handling the fullback situation. All three of them will be needed uh, and all three of them will be used. Yeah. And Jamin, I'm actually curious about what you think about that too, considering Trauco is on the bench uh, and we have Paul Marie over starting over there on that side. 
Carlos Acapo on the other side. I mean, is this going to be? Oh, it looks like we're going over to the press conference. No, we're not I going over needed, the press conference. I just needed to get it there, so it's ready to go. My bad, I didn't do it earlier. No, it's good. Um, it's good. So, your thoughts on yeah. Paul Murray, basically? Yeah, uh, I, you know, again, I, I agree with the comment. I think he has been one of the more consistent players, um, and obviously, when Trauco is arriving later in the week and is not able to be with the team all week long to prepare for the opponent, it makes complete sense after Paul Marie's last game and how well he did on Bernadeke to uh, give him another run out, give him another, another opportunity. Um, and uh, so, you know, I think it was the right thing to do. Close the door, close the door. Close and and Jamin, you know, the, the first time I, I've thought tonight is if Paul Marie were three, four, five years younger, you think he could be a guy who'd be on uh, the radar for some Eredivisie, for some League One teams in, in Europe? Because I think he's, he's playing the ceiling that he has is, is getting close to what Marcos Lopez was able to show. And Marcos Lopez is succeeding. He's doing exceedingly well right now uh, with Feyenoord and the, the Eredivisie. Paul Marie's a guy who I could see having success in Europe. If he chose to go to France, uh, I think... He could have a good run. I, I, I think he'd be able to find success in a, 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 a lower level uh, League One team in France. And, and that's been in the back of my head, given how uh, uh, strong Paul Marie has been. And that is not something I thought two, three years ago I would ever say on, uh, on the show. Yeah. Let's go to Lucci. Good evening, everyone. Uh, let's begin with our press conference uh, tonight with Lucci Gonzalez. Um, let's take a first question from Alex Morgan. Hi, Lucci. Uh, thank you for joining us, and uh, congratulations on the victory tonight. Uh, you know, uh, two penalty goals uh, gets you over the line. Uh, maybe not as many chances as you would have liked from uh, open play. Uh, what did you think of the attack now that Jameer Montero is back? Um, you know, creating more chances, it looks like, uh, but maybe not being able to, uh, to convert uh, the last ball as much as you'd like. Yeah, these games are, are never, uh, you know, a solution, a clear one solution for all of them to win. Um, we talked after the Toronto game, having more initiative, urgency, first half. Let's go get our first home goal in the first half. And I'm proud of the guys to, to accomplish that. Disappointed with conceding that PK. I, I'm not sure about the call. Um, i got to look at it with more detail, but... Um, Houston's a good team. Look, they, they've won two in a row at home. They're, they've got a midfield trio that's, I would say, up there with the best in the league. And they're, they they can put passes together and hurt you and break lines and and create. So we knew that defensively we wanted pressure on the ball, but we knew we were going to have to recover centrally. Press was broken, and that's a collective effort. Look, at second half, we pushed. Uh, both they pushed, and uh, we were able to earn our PK. And, and I know you're saying maybe not creating the run of play, but we did have a good expected goals. I think it was almost three expected goals, which is maybe the highest expected goals we've had in the season. I know that includes the PKs. I understand that, um, but but we did create the PKs, and that's part of it. So so you know, have to be happy with creation, volume of getting shots and crosses in the box continues to be positive, and we put a bit more on the frame tonight. Um, and, and I think it, that's why it bounced our way. But uh, credit to Houston. They're, they're a good team that, that they battled and made it difficult. And, um, you know, we, we, we had moments where we had to suffer and get behind the ball and defend, especially there at the end. So proud of our group. Uh, we'll grab it. Very important three points at home. Uh, and now we got to rest and recover and 
and uh, and go play a very difficult Red Bull team away. Next up, Jamie Moore. Unmuted. Hi, Lucian. Oh, apologies. apologies, Alex. And regarding Mito, yeah, great to have him back um, for national team duty, helping in terms of creativity between the lines and accelerating the attack. Um, whether he gets the end product or not, look, I care more about his intentions, his ideas, why and how he does things. And I think over time, it can bounce his way, get the assist, get the goal. But I'm happy with his return back to the team. Thank you, Lucy. Go ahead, uh, Hey, Lucci, hey, maybe, maybe the, the reason the we reason can talk, we can so, talk much so much about, about uh, the, the, offensive the offensive execution is because the defense is really doing its job. Uh, there's been a there's player, been a player that, that I think has been, been unheralded, unheralded, but is but silently doing a very good job for you, and that's Paul Marie. Uh, uh, you know, obviously, you know, obviously you've got difficult, difficult decisions to make in terms of Trauco, Capo, and Marie, and even Tommy Thompson in these games, but he's silently putting together a very solid season, maybe one of your more consistent game-to-game performers. You talk a little bit about what you think is making him the player that he is for a guy who's a little bit smaller than other players around him. He seems to be doing a very solid job of defense. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Paul had a preseason where he was open to learning um took it taking on ideas and video um we, we we created objectives with him in terms of reading pressure on the ball uh, defending depth and behind diagonals shifting on the weak side and defending the box crosses and, and taking that those things personal right like to be the best defender he can be he naturally has a very good technique uh he can build up uh, he can attack uh he can break lines dribbling passing so he he has that that strength naturally um and then he's evolved into a very you know effective fullback defensively and offensively so proud of him and, and seeing him also show versatility right side left side a, a great competitive attitude starting or not he's been really positive and, and a great teammate to this team um and, uh, and again it's great to see him have another great defensive night shutting down his side and and helping this team build and, and attack so whether right or left side. So um, happy with him and happy with his teammates too, because we have other guys that can do the job um, effectively as well. Next up, Abel Anguiano. Hey, Luchi. Thanks for taking my question and congrats on the win. Talk to us about Christian Espinoza. He's been amazing this season and today he showed his quality yet again. How is he evolving each game as a leader on the field and in the locker room? Thank you. Look, Christian uh, stepped up and put two PKs away. It's never easy to score a second PK after the first because it ends up being that duel with the keeper. Uh, but, but he showed great confidence uh, to step up and, and to put it away. Um, and he <clears throat> he trains those. You know, he trains that he he's pr always prepared in training. He's putting high level work rate, concentration, great mentality. Doesn't show a lot of emotion. Just wants to work and stay in the moment and he shows that weekly in training and so we we're not surprised by his opportunity you know him grabbing opportunities and showing performance like tonight on the field um and he's a great example to our team um of all ages and experiences so you know happy and proud for christian very valuable for for the club and hopefully for for seasons to come you know and and him helping us reach our potential as a team uh as we continue to 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 compete this season. 
Christian is a player that will obviously put in maximum effort, but has also technique, quality, creativity, creating shots, creating, um, setting up and combining to set up crosses with his fullback, with his interior players, and um, always with a smile on his face. And so it's just a big pleasure to coach him, and we want to continue to support him so he can keep, keep uh, helping us uh, perform. Take a couple more questions um, with a second one from Jim and Moore. Hey, Lucy, when uh, when Jonah Mensah uh, is on a yellow uh, early in the game and then definitely takes gets a foul that, you know, it's definitely his his final warning. Is there a discussion with you and the assistants about subbing him at that point? Or is, you know, he just such a veteran at this point, he gets that trust every time. You know, how, what's the type of conversation about a potential sub there? Yeah, you know, I want to say that foul, I, I thought it was first or second foul. I thought it was a little early for that yellow card, but it happened. And yeah, definitely a conversation at half um, and during the second half, but never did we feel he, uh, you know, he made that one tackle second half, but to me, that definitely was not a second yellow. So he was pretty measured. He's got a lot of experience. Uh, he's composed. And he didn't show us a concern to have to change, but but we we definitely were thinking about it and ready to think of ideas if we needed to. But but thankfully we didn't need to. Let's also take a second one from Alex Morgan. Hey, Luigi, thanks for taking another one. Um, I'm curious about uh, your thoughts on on Jeremy Abobasi. You know, he has been able to find the back of the net in the last few games, um, but you know, had a couple. Uh, looks tonight from the the top of the box. What are the conversations that you've been having with him uh, about what you're looking for? Um, you know, areas where you think he can uh, improve and and what he's been doing well. You know, Jeremy's doing really well. I know, I know the score sheet. He's not going to be satisfied um, and if he's not scoring goals, and that's his high standards and high expectations of himself and what he does really well. So, to me, you know. I, I'm not worried about that because I know with continued great mentality that he has in training and and uh, willingness to work for his team and and implement our setup for the for each game. Um, he's he, I feel him 100% bought in and really positive about how we're working and and how, how he can be impactful and his team can be um, <clears throat> his team can compete. So. You know, he had some better looks today uh, that almost won there uh, in the box that, that goes in. And credit to Steve Clark on the save but or, or the scramble. But uh, I, I'm not worried. Jay Bo is going to continue to have the right intentions, um, get, occupy the right spaces in the box, help us in our hold-up play and movement between lines to link. Um, and he's going to score sooner or later. Um, and if it comes in waves, it comes in waves, it comes in streaks. It's, that's just a product of what I believe he, he has, which is a great mentality to help this team. So, um, yeah, look, every week we connect and we talk about other ideas, how we can be more effective. Offensively, he leads our press. He, he's, a, he's doing a great job leading our press with cues, with triggers, and putting a lot of sacrifice there. And we keep him in a central high position as well that allows him in transition to be dangerous. So. You know, he also showed versatility. We played 4-4-2 for a game and a half, and and his role was slightly different, and he uh, he took it on like a great teammate. Um, so 
you know, I, I'm confident he keeps showing what he's showing. It's going to bounce his way and he's going to score goals. And one final question in Spanish by Paula Maruri. Muy buenas noches. Felicitaciones por el triunfo. En general, ¿cómo el equipo manejó el proceso de tomar las decisiones en el transcurso del juego? Y la otra pregunta, hablemos de la mentalidad y la responsabilidad de Cristian para ejecutar esos penales. Muchas gracias. Sí, el partido para empezar siempre es un producto de cómo vimos la semana, cómo vemos el oponente, en cómo podemos ser eficaces en nuestro ataque, en salir de de la presión del oponente y atacar, atacarlos, ¿no? Y, y cómo podemos defender y tener el bloque compacto para tener momentos de presión. y Esas cosas se ve en la semana, se ve contra el oponente en video, en análisis y, y se coordina con, con el staff. Y de, durante el partido siempre es eh, ver momento a momento, ¿no? Que necesita. No, no es para hacer muchos cambios de primer tiempo, no, realmente no se puede. Más, más que nada es pensar en la mitad de tiempo, el segundo tiempo, qué recambios, qué ajustes podemos hacer eh, con cambios o, o tácticamente hablarlos y, y hacer que ellos entiendan cómo podemos adaptar. ¿no? Al final del juego jugamos 5-4-1 cuando, cuando Miro Montero tuve un calambre y es algo de formación que vimos que nos va a ayudar a defender el área. <coughs> Y bueno, cumplieron, cumplieron el objetivo, ¿no? Los chicos. Eh, y sobre Christian, mira, Christian estaba diciendo en inglés, sí, tiene una mentalidad muy fuerte, tiene mucha confianza. Para, para meter un segundo penal contra el mismo arquero, el mismo juego, no es fácil, eh, pero enseña su confianza, su mentalidad. Y para mí es producto de lo, lo que él siempre trae todos los días en el entreno. En el entreno siempre mentalidad de competir, de poner mucho esfuerzo, de hacer cosas con intensidad y, menos, y sin emoción. Todo es mentalidad de el próximo momento, atacar el próximo momento, tratar de su mejor en el próximo momento y muy orgulloso de él y, y él va a seguir, si él sigue así lo, lo, y, que, y si lo va a hacer, es, el equipo va a ser el beneficio de, de eso, ¿no? All right, thank you, Lucien. Thank you, everyone, for your questions. Uh, we'll be bringing midfielder Jamil Montero in a couple minutes. Good night. Thank you. Okay, well, we have quite a bit to talk about there, uh, Jamin and Alex. I, I do want to direct our viewers to check out QuakesEpicenter.com. Um, if you haven't done that already, we have tons of content there, articles from our writers, Jamin and Alex included, and we have our salary spreadsheet, which has all the budgeting and everything on there, uh, which is written by Colin Etnire. There's a lot of great information about who our current DPs are, what the uh, cap space looks like. And yes, as Alex just pointed out right behind him, he has the Quakes Epicenter scarf, which you could find at the Quakes Epicenter store. So make sure you check out quakesepicenter.com and you can follow us on social media at Quakes Epicenter on Twitter and Instagram. And we'll talk a little bit about our Patreon uh, at the end of the show as well. So make sure you hang tight for that. Okay, let's start off with Alex. Uh, you asked about Jeremy Abobasi. Now, when you had first brought him up at the beginning of the show, you had kind of mentioned that he looked a little bit lost out there. Lucci, uh, on the other hand, had some different feelings about that. And he mentioned his, uh, his intent to score, how he's continuing to do that. 
and how he's continuing to find opportunities. I was just going to ask you, um, how do you how do you respond to that? What do you think about what Lucci had to say about Jeremy Abobasi and, and and how you saw the game when you initially spoke about his performance at the beginning of the show? Well, these press conferences are uh, are an interesting. Uh, spectacle now because the dynamic has changed a little bit. I don't know if, if our audience has noticed this, but I feel like Lucci is now preempting all of our talking points on the show. This is like the third consecutive <laughs> uh, match in which in the post-match press conference, he has brought up the XG uh, and uh, gone through and he was a, accurate. a exactly. little mini discussion about the XG, which is usually Jamin Moore territory. So, so he's a uh, Lucci's Lucci Lucci has studied at the feet of Greg. Greg is an XG guy. So yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. Greg, he's, Greg he's, Berhalter, USMNT coach for folks who aren't familiar. He's learned former. Yes. Yes. Yeah, former. No longer do yeah. I feel like I'm entering the post-match press conference with some special insight. Lucci's. Hey, I, I brought a progressive. I brought a progressive passes Jackson, about Jackson Yule this week. He he came back with talking about progressive carries. So he he knows yeah. what's up. He's he's ready to fire back. Um. Yeah. Look, I so 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 I do think that that uh, that Jeremy Bobasi has looked a little more disconnected in the last few games, and I, I think that's reflected in his. Is that do you think that's he him? hasn't scored. He, you think that's, that's him, or do you think James. that's the team? Okay. I don't. I don't think that's entirely him. I think that he's getting in the right spaces at the right times, and they're not really finding him. You had, I think, a total of three crosses today, mostly from the right side, Carlos Acapo, uh, but also Kate Cowell. Where I think Jeremy Wobisi is wide open in the six-yard box, waiting for a tap-in. And the service hasn't been there for him from the, the wide areas. Even Christian Espinosa's service wasn't uh, as strong today. He had a couple good crosses, but uh, not not uh, to Jeremy Obobese's feet. So, so I think that's one of the reasons. I think if one of those crosses is connected, we're having a different conversation. We're saying Jeremy Obobese, uh is uh, is putting the ball in the back of the net. He's a poacher. He's a finisher. And, and I think that Luchi Gonzalez is right in that with more volume crosses, that'll happen in the next few games. So I'm not necessarily worried about that. Hmm. I think there's a, a little more ambiguity in the sort of the, the build up through the, the play through the middle. I think that too often the quakes are finding him with his back to goal and his touch has let him down too many times. I don't think he plays the best with his back to goal. Uh, I don't think his holdup play has been as strong as I would like. He's great at darting in between the lines and, making runs in, in behind the box, but his touch is just to let him down too often when he's receiving the ball with his back to goal. I don't think that's the, that's the place where he plays best, but that's the, the place where he's getting the ball the most. Uh, and so maybe that's an issue with uh, the, the, the way that his teammates are connecting with him and, and when he's finding that space. So there's something in the play through the middle that's not quite clicking yet. And, and I'm, unsure exactly how to diagnose this. Maybe, maybe Jamin can help on that front. Yeah, Jamin, I was going to ask you about that because from what I'm seeing, there have, there have been opportunities. We've seen Kate Cowell, we've seen Christian Espinoza firing in some crosses from the flanks, and we have seen, as Alex mentioned, some balls coming in and what would be, uh, for a traditional nine, something they would feast upon, right? They would use their body, hold up the play, find a pass or turn and quickly shoot, which we've seen Jaybo do before. So are you in agreement here with Alex Jamin or is it, uh, is there something else to it? So I, I personally have certain preferences about nines 
that I want to make sure that I'm not projecting onto the way that Lucci wants to play his nines. So in my opinion, if you are going to play a lot of the types of cutbacks, balls in behind that the Quakes try to do, and you know, let, let, let's reflect back on a couple situations. We mentioned Cade Cowell. He put in probably the two most dangerous balls across the box tonight. The first one was in the first half where he was coming in from the left. That ball went across. It touched two Quakes and two Houston players at the same time. And kind of, you know, there was there, you know, my preference in those situations is that ball doesn't go into the six. It goes back toward the dot between the six and the penalty dot, because that's where that's where cutbacks are most successful. So what I would like to see Abobasi do is actually make the runs to pull defenders away and open up space. And I would like somebody trailing there to be able to get there. Now, Abobasi potentially is available to drop off. As soon as he makes that run to the back post, if a defender pulls with him, I would also want him to drop back so that he has the ability to be there for a, for a rebound because a lot of, a lot of those uh, shots can get blocked. And, uh, and sometimes there's deflections and other things. So I don't want him like staying on the post. I want him running to the post, making that run, and then deciding you know, when to peel off because an opportunity could exist. So if we go to the other Cade situation, I think he did that. My recollection is there was a run like that. There was nobody trailing. And Cade played the ball where there should have been a trailer. And Jamiro and Kate and, uh, and Jackson were like nowhere to be found. They were like mm -hmm. 20, 25 yards behind the play. So in neither situation is ideal from my perspective, but I don't necessarily fault Jeremy for that because he may have been making a run. It's the camera angle. I'm not seeing his run because the camera's on Cade. So he may be making the run that I would like him to make. I, I can't tell. So again, I don't want to project what I think he should be doing onto what Lucci thinks he should be doing, but that's my particular preference. Look, and and so what Lucci's looking at is, is he where I think he should be in those situations? And I think he's saying he's where he should be. It doesn't necessarily mean he's the target. I, I think the other thing is, the Quakes have a really solid penalty taker in Christian Espinosa, who's converted all his penalties this season and uh, is solid from the spot and not going to be replaced on the spot anytime soon. If Jeremy Obobese takes those two penalties and gets a brace, I think there's also a different uh, perspective about where he's at uh, and if he's meeting expectations this season. So I think you have to factor in a, a little more variance from the, the penalty situation as well. But it is a good thing for the Earthquakes that they have such a consistent spot kick taker the mm -hmm. most consistent Absolutely. that they've had since Chris, Chris Wondolowski. It's been a fairly, uh, you know, easy transition from, from Chris Wondolowski, one legendary spot kick taker to right. uh, Christian Espinosa, who's converted at everything that's been in front of him with uh, clinicality and uh, like complete, like uh, completely unfazed. I mean, he, he looks so dialed in when he's lined up in, in front of the ball. Uh, there's, there's never really uh, any doubt. So, so the fact that the Quakes have had such a consistent spot kick taker is, uh, you know, one of the reasons that they can, uh, uh, you know, have games like this where they where they can uh, get by on their their set piece conversion because that's where mm -hmm. a lot of their goals have been coming from. All right, absolutely, we're now joined by Camino Montero. So let's begin with a question yeah. from Jim Moore. Amen. Can you hear us? No internet. Uh, let's uh, let's come back to you. Sorry, uh, sorry. I can, I can, I can, I can hear you now. Hear you now. 
Hi, go ahead, Jim. Sorry about that. I, need, I needed a few seconds there. Hey, Jamiro, welcome back. Uh, obviously, you had a game where you had had a red card, didn't get to play, and then you had to immediately go out on international duty. You know, how did you feel tonight? Looked like you were cramping a little bit late in the game, but overall, like, how are you feeling right now? And you know, how do you how did you feel that you did coming back in, into the, uh, the lineup? Uh, first, I'm uh, really happy uh, to be uh, to be back and uh, get back and uh, get three points. Um, yeah, I was cramping. Um, I came back and uh, I had like uh, two days. I was uh, flying two days, and uh, I think these these days I was a little bit tired. So that's why I think uh, I was cramping today also. So yeah, but I feel great. I'm happy. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be back and uh, getting uh, three points. Next question, Abel on Guiana. Uh, hi, Jamiro. Thanks for taking the time to answer my question. Um, how confident uh, do you feel going into the next away game? I know that uh, the PayPal Park has been a fortress. Uh, you guys are unbeaten in the season, but it's been a different story away from home. Uh, but considering that you guys got a good result in this game, how, does, uh, how is your confidence going into the next game? Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I'm uh, really confident. I think uh, everybody's really confident. Uh, we have a great, uh, great, uh, great team, great coach, and uh, we are really confident. And uh, every game we try to give everything we have. Uh, I hope we continue like this and uh, keep this line. And, and uh, yeah. For uh, next week. Hi, Jamiro. Thanks for joining us. It's good to speak to you tonight. I want to ask about the chance creation. It seems like you're getting the ball in wide areas really well and getting lots of cutbacks. Um, but maybe the, the volume of chances coming through the middle uh, uh, through Jeremy Obobese isn't as high as we've seen in the past. I'm curious uh, what you think you're doing well in terms of distribution and, and passing in the final third and where you think you can continue to improve. Um, for me, to where I can get better is... Uh, yeah, to be more in the 16. Uh, but uh, I try to to look for Jabo also, but uh, they uh, they really focus uh, a lot on him. Like uh, when I when he get the ball, you he, he already have like three four men uh, behind him or for him. So uh, we 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 just try to uh, look for the spaces and uh, get in the 16. And uh, sometimes difficult because. Uh, a lot of uh, players will be in the 16, but uh, I think today uh, uh, we didn't create a lot of chances. But the most important thing is uh, we get a we get a win, and uh, next week again. Take a couple more second questions. Uh, let's go back to David Moore. Hey, Jamiro. So uh, along with these wins comes uh, some pretty good defensive performances, you know, for the team as well. And, and again, you were out for one of them due to the red card. But, you know, what strikes you as being so different about the team this year and the defense defensive performances that you've been getting compared to last year when you, the team gave up a lot of goals? Feels like a lot of those issues have been addressed maybe with uh, some of the change to the defensive scheme. But, you know, what else is, is, is there just besides the uh, – the scheme changes. Thank you. Uh, yeah, we we focus a lot of 
on uh, defending. Uh, like you said, uh, last year we, we get a lot of goals against us. Uh, for now, we, we're doing good. And uh, moments when we uh losing balls in the midfield or forward, we just try to be fast as possible uh, together and make it small. So uh, we make it difficult for the for the other team. And uh, but yeah, I hope we uh, continue like this and uh, don't give uh, goals against us. And one final one from Alex Morgan. Hi, Jamiro. Uh, thanks for taking another question. I want to ask about uh, the, the halftime uh talk that you had and, and what changes you made going into the second half it felt like it the second half was a lot more open there was a lot more space in the midfield and it was a lot more stretched out and that's not something we've really seen a ton in the past five games and in, in the past five games it feels more like the team uh, gets solid and, and you know con more control in the second half whereas it, it felt a little bit different tonight i'm curious what changes you guys were looking to make and how you think that worked out uh i didn't think we we made a change or something I think I think uh, there was moment uh, we was maybe losing the ball in the middle or losing ball on the not on the right moment and uh, like uh, we I think we was winning two one and um, they tried to score and they would make more risk and we also like when when they lose ball we try to go uh, like fast as possible forward but sometimes it didn't help and. That's why I think uh, it looks like the game was really open because we was losing balls on not good moments. All right, thank you, Jameer, and thank you everyone for your questions. Good night. All right, well, we got to hear from Jamiro Montero, and it sounds like he's glad to be back with the team. Um, Jamin, I'm going to go over to you first, just kind of your general thoughts about some of the things we heard from Jamiro getting back with the team and his feelings about the way things are going for the Earthquakes. Yeah, I, th I think uh, I actually want to kind of hit on, you know, Alex's last question and his response there, too, because it's something I, I definitely noticed as well. And, and, you know, one of the things that I think is a kind of a trait in MLS at times is how stretched sometimes that the games get as the game goes on. So in, when you get in the second half, you start to see these situations where as players begin to tire, they start to make more poor decisions. It's not that there's not poor decisions early in the games too, but everyone's at full, you know, full capacity to be able to recover in those situations. One of the things that I believe is significantly better about this team is the way that they handle those bad moments in uh, the Almeida era. And then, you know, still in Cabello's uh, time last season, this team was giving up a lot of one V one transitions. You know, it would take a couple different passes and it's a jailbreak. Right. And, and the other team is off to the races. How many times has that happened this year? Maybe once or twice where it felt like, you know, there's situations where I'm going, Oh boy. And my son knows, cause he's sitting on the couch with me watching this and I'm going <laughs> oh, that, 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 that's a bad place to give that ball up. But they're recovering for the most part in most situations. I'm not saying it's perfect because no team is perfect about this. Neither side was perfect tonight. But, and sometimes it's just bad decision making that bails you out or a bad shot or a bad decision that bails you out. But the structure, even when it's stretched, there's still more structure than there was last year. And the back line is still better positioned 
And tonight it was Michael Baldissimo and not Carlos mm -hmm. Gruezo. And so I think that factors into it a little bit as well. Because whenever Jamiro or Yule would make a bad pass, and, and they did because they were asked to distribute a lot tonight, a lot of everything was going through the two of them. And whenever they would make a bad pass, you know, it, there was structured for the most part to be able to handle the transitions. And if nothing else, you can say it's better. You might not say it's perfect, but you can say it's better. Look, Jamin, the difference is that you have Jonathan Mensa and Rodriguez I, at center back. I disagreement. Cleaning up everything that's that's coming their way. And but, but they're also in the, the right positions. Time, and I think that's important. Exactly. And, and the one time, the one game where that didn't happen, the one game I think that probably skews the statistics, you, you said there was one or two of those poor giveaways this season. I think there was probably at least three or four in the St. Louis City game alone. And I think yeah, that no, game skews the statistics because St. Louis creates those those chances creates those turnovers and because the quakes didn't have Carlos Grezzo didn't have Rodriguez for most of that game. Uh, and so they didn't have those stop back uh, stop gaps that, that have been there. Uh, this, this game, there were those giveaways. They were well set up to handle them. But, but the thing that surprised me was just the lack of control in the second half, because the trend that we've seen so far this season is that the earthquakes, uh, are much, have been much stronger in the second half. I think I think every single game this season, they have improved throughout the course of that game. We have given Luchi Gonzalez a lot of credit for the, the halftime adjustments that he's been able to make and the, the second half subs that he's been able to make uh, to, to increasingly to increase their control on, on the game through the course of the 90 minutes. Tonight was, I think, bucked that trend a little bit. We saw a second half mm -hmm. that was much more wide open, much more giveaways. They, they didn't... Uh, have the, the the control that they had in the first half. There was a lot more space in the final third. So it was an atypical Luchi Gonzalez game in that way, I think. And and look, I think you've got to give Houston credit for 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 putting the Quakes in that situation because they were able to put the Quakes on the back foot in times in the second half uh, and and go toe to toe in that second half with them. Uh, so so I, I think you have to give Houston credit there as well. And I think that eventually Luchi Gonzalez probably did respond. I thought that the Judson substitution gave San Jose a little bit more calm and composure in the mm. midfield. And and that's good. This was, the I think, probably the best performance we've seen from Judson in a long time. You know, it finally feels Although he like did create the foul to... at the end there. I No, that was a Rodriguez tackle, I think. No, no, I think that no, was a Rodriguez No, that was Judson. Actually, I, I, definitely Judson. Alex, <laughs> it, it sounds a, your point seems a little bit contradictory here because you're saying on the one hand that the Quakes had a – like the play was a lot more open. Or maybe you can you can clarify for me. The play was a lot more open in the second half, and yet the Judson sub happened around the 60th minute. And I was just thinking, wow, the, the complexion of the, the, the game, like – the way that the Quakes were defending, especially as they were trying to win balls in the midfield, really changed when Judson came on versus when Baldissimo was in there. So if you could just kind of clarify what you mean here when you say that they looked a little more composed when Judson came on. Look, I, I'm having trouble making sense of the, the second half as well, just because it's it's so atypical. It's not something we've seen before. Um, I thought the first 15 minutes of the second half, there were giveaways, there was lots of space. Uh, and there was danger. And when Judson came on, he helped stop some of that. There was more composure. There were fewer giveaways. Uh, but mm. there, I think there was still a general lack of structure uh, that 
that has been atypical of a, a Luchi Gonzalez side. I don't know. Does that does that ring true to you? That, that makes a little more sense. And I think this? if you were to look at the touches and where Jackson Yule was particularly, like I think his play exemplifies that because I was just thinking about Jackson Yule and his performance in this match. And Jamin, maybe you can kind of answer this a little bit. Uh, Yule was like, if you look at the heat map and if you kind of look at his positioning throughout, he was kind of the tracking back, making defensive plays. And then at times he was, at, there was one moment in which he was pushing forward with a counterattack, right? We saw Yule up on the front line, especially in the second half, we saw him playing a little bit more of that role. So, you know, what do you think here? Jackson Yule combining with Baldissimo, combining with Judson, um, what are you seeing from his play throughout the match? Uh, so uh, yeah, I've been spending a lot of time kind of watching Jackson Yule this year because I think I think he's a really important piece in what's changing about the Quakes. I mentioned the fact that I had asked Lucci about his progressive passing. It's up, and I want to write about this for Quakes Epicenter, so I don't want to talk too much about it. But it's up again from what it was, and I'll be interested to see how the stats come in tonight. The other thing that Lucci mentioned, and I noticed this too, is that they also are asking him to progress the ball when there's space available, you know, what I call progressive carries, which is measured slightly different from progressive passes. And I'll try to use it again, explain it when I write the article. But, uh, you know, it's interesting that Lucci is kind of, you know, trying to get this a bit of the Jackson Yule that we really enjoyed when he was a rookie and even his in his sophomore season when now he was asked to sit deeper, you know, sitting beside Judson, spraying balls around. We know we love those long diagonals those, you know, kind of, uh, you know, over the top, you know, uh, you know, type type kicks where, you know, he's, he slams it off the turf and, and bounces it forward. There's just, you know, some interesting, uh, you know, they're kind of like volleys, but not shots. Um, you know, there's, there's this creativity that he's got in his game. And when he gets forward, that type of creativity has to change because he's working with less space. And so what's important, and Lucci addressed this a bit in terms of like what he's asking you know, Jackson, uh, Jackson to do, uh, has to change because he is the space that he's ac actually working with now is much more compressed and how he needs to be able to press the ball is a bit different depending upon the phase of the game. So one of the things that Lucci asks is that either Jackson or Montero track back, either one of them have to be able to kind of track back and support working the ball back up the pitch. Sometimes it can be either one of them, but usually one goes a little bit more central, one drops in a little bit more, and then they're going to support Gruezo, Baldissimo, you know, Judson, whomever's back there. And uh, that's where a lot of those progressive passes are going to come from. But then he has to switch. As he gets, you know, forward, he has to switch into a different mode of trying to, to be able to break down the lines. And so it's asking a lot of Jackson. I think he's doing a decent job of it. I think Lucci is overall happy with what he's seeing from Jackson in terms of his interpretation of what Lucci's asking him to do. And I think everyone thinks it's going to need to take a little bit more time for Jackson to get fully comfortable in the role. And, and, and the other switch that, that he needs to turn, he needs to, uh, to, to take shots from the top of the box. There's too often where he's got the ball teed up to him 20 yards out in that position. I am certain Christian Espinosa would rip it. I'm certain uh, that, you know, other players in major league soccer, Klaus would rip it in that situation. I think Jackson Ewell in practice should be every day taking five to 10 bouncing balls at the top of the box and just ripping them on target because he uh, needs to shoot. I, he, he gets mm -hmm. in those situations and isn't decisive enough and too often uh, takes a touch 
gets the ball caught under his feet and then sprays it out wide to Christian Espinosa and, and the, the opportunity is gone. So he needs to be more decisive. And if he does that, you know, he had the, he had the, the greatest opportunity from open play for the earthquakes this season. He wasn't able quite to get his feet sorted out. So those are the situations where I think he just needs to be a little more clinical and be immediately thinking his first thought in those situations should be, I am going to shoot it. Because Jackson Ewell is not a guy whose first thought has ever been, I'm going to shoot it. His first thought has always been, how can I distribute the ball and, and get it out wide and get it into different spaces? And that works so well in the, you know, uh, the middle of the field in the defensive third. But in the, the final third, he needs to be more clinical. He needs to be thinking, I'm going to put every single ball on target because uh, the Earthquakes get the ball in zone 14 a lot. They get the ball right on the top of the box a lot. And they haven't been ripping enough shots. Him, I don't think Jeremy Obobese has. I don't think Cade Cowell has. I don't think any of them have. I think Christian Espinosa has been the only one who's been able and, and willing to take shots from the top of the box. And, uh, and, and I think more of the others need to as well. Yeah, I want to follow up on that a little bit because, uh, you know, Alex is, Alex is right. And last year, it's easy to forget, Jackson scored five goals. And the type of shot that he took tonight that – he definitely, you know, that he scuffed was the type of goal that he got last year. So I think, you know, he's been focused on this other parts of his game, but he can't give up the shooting. There has to be danger at in zone 14. There has to be danger at the top of the box. They not only have to be able to test the back line with a through ball type pass, they need to be able to take the shots. So the defense will step to them to be able to open space for that through ball. So you know, I think Jack, I completely agree. Jackson exactly. needs to take more shots. He needs to challenge defenses early that to think that he's a threat so that other space will open up. Oscar says, I'm and, 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 and that's Alex, exactly right. I, I was actually going to mention here because I wanted to double down on what you had said because this was actually the point I was going to make. My one like analytical contribution at the end of the show here was going to be that exactly from zone 14. And the, the hesitation to take shots from that area, but it's, you're right. It's not just Jackson Yule. Um, it really, it's Christian Espinosa is one of the few players that we're seeing consistently taking shots from outside the box. But the other, I mean, we're seeing Jamero Montero, we're seeing Jackson Yule, we're seeing the other guys on, you know, who are playing up on the front line, not taking those shots. And that we see a lot of passing within the 18 yard box, right? We're seeing a lot of that happening there and guys are losing the ball. Uh, at their feet and not just taking the shot right so anyway you were going to say and if he establishes himself as a, a, a danger as a threat with that shot Jamin's exactly right that's going to create more space for Christian Espinosa at ride that's going to create more space for you know who Jeremy Abobasi. if you're you know worried about his chance creation through the middle that's exactly the type of opportunity where they can get mm -hmm. him in the ball in the middle if the ball is cut back to Jackson you will top of the box if their center back step, a quick ball in behind for Jeremy Abobasi. Yep, and goal. that's how you break the line, right? It's a throw the time. They, they can't go back to being dumb about long shots, though. So people say, you know, we need to shoot, shoot long shots. Just mm. careful. You need to shoot shots that are going to create the right element of danger. If you're just like wildly shooting shots when you get close to the goal, you're so what you're saying is don't let Jutsen turnovers. Don't let Jason shoot. That's, Damon, that's rule, I, rule number one. But no, when you get to the front of zone 14, you need to get guys to step to you. And if you don't, if they don't think you're a shooting threat, they're just going to sit. And, and a lot I, of times that's exactly what Houston did tonight. I agree with you in every aspect except one. And that is I am perfectly willing 
uh, to let Paul Marie take dumb shots. I love seeing Paul Marie take dumb shots. <laughs> he and only scores bangers, puts them right? in the back of the net. Paul Marie only scores bangers. bangers, and he's perfectly Man. allowed to try bangers. Paul, Paul Marie is a, is allowed. Judson is not. Those are your two rules. Just keep those rules, <laughs> and you're okay. And we want to see more from Jackson Ewell, right? Uh, okay. I want to see Judson get a goal someday because I'm going to celebrate a Judson Does he have goal. one? He he does, I think. Didn't he score an MLS? I don't know if it was from outside the box. Somebody go check that. Stevenson could do it for the old earthquakes back in the day. Judson can do it for this version of the earthquakes. It's just a matter of time. So why don't we move to the last segment of the show, you guys, because we're running a little long in the tooth. Um, Jamin, you're... Alex, you just raised your finger. Goal. You want to go he first? A single goal. 2019, his first season in San Jose. According to the stats, he has a single goal. I'd love uh, if there's somebody in the chat who can tra- track that one down. Cool. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll look up. If, if, if no one else is able to, I'll, I'll try to find it this week. All right. Jamin you know, Moore. It, had, it, had, to, it had to have been, yeah. It, so when did you say it happened, Alex? 2019? First season. His first season in MLS, 2019. Probably off of a set piece, probably a header off of a set piece, something like that, or just a garbage, garbage ball in front. Probably was wow. not a long distance banger. <laughs> yeah, Rodriguez. Oh my goodness, Rodriguez tonight. I mean, the, the the dude didn't have you know you know bad luck. He'd have no luck at all. It's just uh, I don't know. So close. Yeah, there's been there has been four or five late set piece goals. Uh, he's going to get one opportunity. I feel like Rodriguez is going to get one. It's a matter of time. It might be like when he gets one, he's going to get like three because he's going to get like so confident. He's just going to start like. Rodriguez has been one of their most dangerous players in the final third. (laughs) It's true. uh, At least from open play in the last season. Exciting to watch. And and Mensa actually had the best like wind up shot tonight. Uh, He did. the, the, The center backs we have. Someone, I think, in the chat called them. Uh, we have uh, center attacking backs. Okay. So, cabs. I like that. Cams, right? So, yeah, we have center attacking backs. <laughs> cabs. Love that. All right, Jamin, final thoughts. Hey, look, you know what? A win's a win. So, you know, let's just, let's, you know, take a deep breath. It's It wasn't the necessarily the best win, but it's the kind of, it's, you're going to have to win a few of these kinds of games, particularly when you're at home. It's going to hurt when you don't get some of those on the road. So let's, let's, let's think about where the quakes are at right now. Four home games, only two away games, easy to feel good about being fifth in the table, but let's, we need to see some road results and, and guess who they go face next. Alex, New York Red Bulls. Yes. So what do we, what do we know about the New York Red Bulls, Alex? We know that they kicked San Jose's butts in preseason pretty comprehensively. And, and why do they kick San Jose's butts pretty comprehensively in preseason, Alex? And also they, St. Louis City, similar they team. They press high up the field and they force turnovers. And I like this Socratic dialogue, this back and forth that we're having. Yes. Yes, because this is a real test. If the Quakes can go on the road and be able to get a point, we're taking, you know, we're seeing some steps forward. Um, and if they get three points, I mean, fantastic, right? They're going to actually move, you know, into the top four, four in the West. Um, you know, but, you know, let's not look at get force in the mouth. And in, in MLS, you got to win at least half of your home games. You got to, you know, draw an, another and uh, only lose 25% or less. And right now, mission accomplished through the first four games. The Quakes have won three, drawn one. You know, if you said before the season, would you take 10 points out of your first 12 available home points you would have said heck yeah 
Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All day long and every day. Right. So right now, good. It's a, it's the right start to the season overall. Um, it's, it was tough to lose in Atlanta the way they did. It was not good to lose to St. Louis the way they did, but Hey, St. Louis went into RSL and blew them out for nothing. So maybe, maybe it's just St. Louis. Obviously they finally lost today, but they were, they were due to lose. So, you know, now we see they, it's going to, the, a real test I think is going to be the Red Bulls having to play them again. And, and on the backs of what happened in St. Louis, uh, playing a very similar style, uh, a team, that um, you know is, gave them trouble and should give them trouble, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how they adjust to that. Now the Quakes have to go on the road, start getting some results on the road. They don't have to win every game, but they need to get some points. So you know, let's let's see what happens next because I think this the true test of the season is just now starting. The true test, Alex, going into New York. That is a team that has only six points in six matches. I mean, what do you think? Are you in agreement with Jamin here? What are your your last thoughts as we uh, finish up here in the match against Houston and head into the match against the New York Red Bulls on the road? Look, I think that the Red Bulls game is going to be one of their toughest outings this season. I think it's up there with the St. Louis game, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see a repeat of the St. Louis game because uh, that's what the Red Bulls did to the Earthquakes in preseason. Jamin and I were there in the – uh, Coachella Valley Invitational, thanks to the support of all of our wonderful patrons. Uh, and the, the Red Bulls put San Jose under a ton of pressure, created high turnovers. San Jose did not look comfortable billing the ball out of the back. Uh, and they're going to do that again. They're going to do that with a lot more energy because they're at home and the earthquakes have to travel all the way across the country uh, and with the home support behind them. So it's going to be an incredibly difficult game for San Jose. And if they can get out of there with a draw, that's going to be important. And, and the fact that they're going to, to New York and facing uh, such a tough team is why this victory is so important. You know, in MLS, we always say if you can win at home, win out at home, it doesn't matter what happens on the road. That'll be good enough to make you uh, get in the playoffs. And, and that's what San Jose have, have done so far this season. You have, I think, a little bit of a stumbling block last weekend against Toronto uh, where they didn't have a strong performance. Uh, but, you know, they're able to stay undefeated at home and I think right-size some of that and, and regain a little bit of momentum, regain their footing uh, with a victory uh, tonight. Uh, and so that, that was really important. And it, and it doesn't matter, as Jamin says, uh, how it comes. Uh, you know, two penalty conversions tonight uh, was good enough. And uh, uh, the Quakes now we know are well prepared to go into a penalty shootout if the uh, occasion arises in the, uh, the MLS playoffs. Uh, they've certainly had... Uh, enough practice tonight. Uh, we saw Jamiro Montero return in the middle. And with Jamiro Montero back in the midfield, I have a lot more optimism about uh, this offense's ability to create chances. And uh, I, I think that we'll continue to be dangerous uh, going forward. So a lot of the concerns that we had last weekend, uh, I, I, I think uh, uh, were, were fixed uh, I, uh, this weekend. And uh, hopefully we'll be continuing uh, going forward. We saw some Surprising sartorial changes as well. I want to circle back to that because we promised we would uh, at the end of the show. Benji Kakanovich with the new platinum blonde hair. I'm trying to place it somewhere in between Ellen DeGeneres and Justin Bieber. I think he envisions himself more on the Justin Bieber side of that uh, 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 spectrum. Uh, But uh, I'm curious what the uh, what the chat has to say about that one. And we'll uh, leave it with that and, and see everyone next weekend. 
Oh no, Alex. <laughs> That's so bad. Look, I just once you I, see I, it, you we, can't unsee it, Phil. I know. It's it's very um silver white, I will say that. So look, one thing that I'm thinking about, and here's a counterpoint to some of the thoughts that you shared about the um the upcoming match against the New York Red Bulls is with Baldissimo being in the midfield, and I think we saw this a little bit from Grueso as he started to kind of get settled in with this team before the injury is that these are guys who are working pretty effectively in tight spaces. And I'm wondering if, you know, going up against the Red Bulls, if this is a change that we're going to see and if they can effectively move the ball around the pitch when the New York Red Bulls are pressing. So that's the one thing that I really wanted to, to, to consider going into this match. Um, we did see Baldissimo both play well in recovery and he is able to like get rid of the ball very quickly when he is being pressed. So Something to keep in mind. I think that's a positive going into this match against the Red Bulls. The question remains, though, where the goal is going to come from because they are having difficulty scoring from the run of play. So it's not going to be enough to, you know, deal with the press. They're actually going to have to create chances and put the ball into the back of the net. So that's something that I, I'm really going to be looking at going into the match against the New York Red Bulls. Now, of course, like every show, I do want to refer everybody to QuakesEpicenter.com once again. And the one thing I kind of alluded to a little bit but didn't quite get into was the Patreon. And Alex, you just referenced it. One of the ways that we're able to continue covering this team, the San Jose Earthquakes, is through the uh the funds that we receive through the Patreon from our patrons. So we can do things like cover the matches. And as you mentioned, the Coachella Valley for preseason. And so I would like to uh, suggest to everyone to check out our Patreon for two bucks a month. You can get early access to our articles and some of the content that we produce on quakesepicenter.com. And if you're willing to pitch in at least $5 a month, then you will get access to our Patreon Slack, where you can have wonderful discussions with some of the folks who are currently here with us right now on YouTube and many of our other subscribers who like to talk about the Quakes when they're not actually playing on the weekend during the week. So uh, make sure you check that out. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And Jamin, you had one final thought before... Uh, before we get out of here, I I do because uh, I noticed that uh, you know there was a drop over here in the chat and I'm trying to find it right now. Uh, ben Perez, I I hate you, but thank you for not spoiling anything in the chat tonight because I haven't seen the final two matches. Uh, However, if you want, if you're a wrestling fan and you want to hear my takes, myself and Quicks after ninety. Uh, 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 we uh, we did a collaboration. I uh, got together with Dom Skipper, and uh, we went and uh, predicted all the WrestleMania matches and what we think the storylines would be afterwards, and all that kinds of stuff. So, if you're interested in that kind of thing, check it out on the Quakes After Ninety feed. And uh, well, night one of WrestleMania is done. It's on Peacock. So, if you want to see how well we predicted it, <laughs> you can go right over there and watch and. Laugh at uh, how ba how bad of a job we did. I, I think I we, got a, not, we got a few right. I was not previously a WrestleMania fan, but I had the chance to bond with Jamin at the Covelli <laughs> Valley Invitational, <laughs> and I got caught up. I got caught up on all of the history that I'd missed. And honestly, sometimes it felt like tonight we watched a little bit of uh, wrestling between uh, Carlos Acapo and That's true. Uh, <laughs> his opposition there. He get really into it, really heated, and uh, that must have uh, been that's retaliation maybe something to watch for out something. for going forward. That must have yeah, been the retaliation something. for something, because why would you get in a guy's face like that? It had to have been retaliation. 
Yeah, I'm not sure I don't what it was for, but something happened. Yeah, there was there was something going on there. Hopefully, we'll get some insight into what that was. It, Jamin, I haven't really watched wrestling since I think like Shawn Michaels gave Diesel the Sweet Chin music in oh, the yeah. Royal Rumble. It's been that long. So, and I, I know you mentioned in a previous episode of Quakes After Ninety when you're talking to Dom that Shawn Michaels, the Heartbreak Kid, was one of your That's right. favorite wrestlers. So I thought that was really cool. But yeah, um, folks, go check out the episode of Quakes After Ninety. It's another show that I've been doing for several years now. Um, it's it's in podcast form. And we get, you know, the, the one big difference between what you'll get there and what you get here is it's like uh, just having a conversation with your friends about your favorite team. And so it's a lot of fun. So go check out Quakes After 90. Uh, Dom is doing a really great job producing over there and creating uh, content throughout the season, like the episode on WrestleMania with Jamin Moore from right here at Quakes at the Center. So um, like and subscribe to the channel. Turn on those notifications so you can join us after every match. And we will see you next time. Have a good night.